Welcome to this teaching from Calvary Chapel Divine, Texas. Calvary Chapel Divine is just a casual church for everyone. We meet in a common place and we just simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. One of the things that we do emphasize is the sun, salt, and light. We want you to know and grow in the sun, Jesus, but be the salt and the light in this world. If you'd like to get more information on the church, we meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. You can either come in person or watch online, but you can also submit a prayer request. Or if you have any questions about the church at all, you can just go to our website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Well, uh, welcome to Calvary Chapel Divine. Uh, and thank y'all for those that are tuning in online. I know that we had some issues with the sound on Sunday, but I think we got those worked out. And, and it, it, it could be too. Sometimes your de- devices can do that. Um, and so I, always, like I tell you, when we do the Sunday teaching or the Wednesday teaching, we, we get those edited and then we load them up so you can listen to the audio or, or either we edit them and try to get them up onto the, the video. So we try to fix any of the sound issues at that time. But I think we got pretty much everything covered. So uh, I want to thank you all for those that are watching online. Remember, if you need to get the lyrics to the worship, all you do is go to calvarydivine.org. And on the very front page, it says worship lyrics. You click it and there it's ready to go. And so we know that we have families that are watching at home, and so you can join in on worship that way, so that's what we want. And, uh, and also, anything else that you need to do, if you want to donate or uh, submit a prayer request or get a hold of Teresa or myself uh, at the church, you can always do that through the website as well. Um, we had, I think everybody had a blessed Father's Day, right? And then we got a birthday, and so we got a, a happy birthday. We won't we won't say ages and all that stuff. I wouldn't do that to you, even though Court yelled it out already. <laughs> so we wouldn't do that to you. But happy birthday. Um, we are really blessed tonight because what we're going to do is we're kind of doing the Chuck Chuck Smith thing. We're going to just read through the scripture, and we're going to go through all the whole chapter, chapter nine. I know we focused primarily on the verse six verses last week, and and we focused on revival. Uh, worship, word, confession, and prayer, those, those four things. And tonight, one of the things we really need to look at as we look at the sin of Israel as a way for us to also to look at our own sin as, as sin separates us from God. And, you know, because God is holy and, and God draws a very clear line about, about sin and Unfortunately, what happens is a lot of us try to get as close to that line as we can or blur it out, um, and, and that's when we get into trouble. And so for, for us, what we're seeing in Nehemiah chapter 9 is there's just a, this amazing time of them being broken and humble. And, and within that, that brokenness, there, there, there's the connection of worship and confession. They're, they're intertwined together. Uh, it's, it's when the Holy Spirit lets you know, hey, I've, I've sinned, you know, and, and it's, you're wanting to go to God and, and ask for forgiveness. It's, they, they work together. Your, your heart's aligning with God's heart, and that's what we're going to see here tonight. And uh, let's pray, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for uh, tonight's message. We pray for the study. Uh, we pray for application. I do pray for my son who's teaching over at Grace tonight. Just give him 
uh, allow the Holy Spirit to be with him as well. And I do pray for Hector and all the other pastors uh, for Calvary Chapel here in San Antonio and, and uh, that are teaching tonight be with them. Uh, we do thank you, Lord, for, uh, you know, for this church and pray for everyone here and pray for those that are watching online. We ask, Lord, that you just continue to uh, bless the city and, and move through the city. And, and at the same time, Lord, we, we, you know, we, we want to see revival. Uh, we want to see uh, a work of you, Lord, uh, being done throughout uh, Medina County and, and throughout Bear County. And so, Father God, we just ask, Lord, that you just continue uh, to, uh, to speak to us and, and, and use us, Lord. Um, but we also pray, too, just for, at the same time, we pray for Marcus. We pray for this building. Uh, we pray for the Market Media building, that you just continue to bless them. Uh, we thank you for allowing us to be here, that we have a place uh, to be able to come and worship and, and hear your word and, uh, and be able to sing. And, and we, we thank you, Lord, that we live in a country where we can do that. Uh, but we do pray, Lord, there is a lot, of, a lot of things that are going on that are, are, are not, from, not from you, Lord. And this country needs to turn back to you. Uh, you know, none of us are perfect. We're imperfect people. It's an imperfect country, but we need to look to a perfect God and, and a holy God. And so uh, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would forgive our nation of its sin and forgive us of our sin. As we come into your word, allow us to be uh, here and, and allow us, Lord, if you need to convict our hearts tonight, if you need to work on something in our life tonight, allow that to be done. And we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so when we think about confession, I don't know about y'all, I grew up in a Catholic, I was baptized when my mom remarried, we became Catholic. And, and I would say practicing Catholic, well, most, like most practicing Catholics, we only went in Easter and, and, uh, and Christmas. Um, but what ended up happening is we ended up moving in Alabama right behind our house was a Catholic church. And so we had to start going to church. The, pa or the pastor, I say pastor, the priest there, uh, we, we, we were invited to go to catechism. My mom and them put us in catechism school. And so I remember doing catechism and, and having my first time of confession and not knowing what all I was supposed to say to the priest. And so I remember the, the day before I was supposed to do my confession, there was just this rehearsal that was happening of what to say. And what sins to say, and and it just it just didn't, you know, it, it wasn't done in the, in in a way that was dealing with the sin. I, in a lot of ways, I was going back trying to think, well, do I need to list everything I've done that I can remember at this point, or what do I do? What if I miss one? And we don't have to deal with that. We have we have our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we can come and and confess and repent, and 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 we have that. But one of the things that we need to be asking for is that cleansing, and, and it should be done on a, on a continual basis. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. See, we need to be asking the Lord to, to cleanse us. And, and when we get into verse 3 here of Nehemiah, Chapter 9, it says, And they stood up, in the, uh, stood up in their place, and they read from the book of the law, 
of the Lord and their God for the quarter of the day. And we, we talked about this a little bit about that last week. It was a, a conviction that was grounded in the word and worship. And then it says, for another quarter, they, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. And for us, one of the things we need to think about is we need to be putting on that armor daily. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You have the opportunity to put the truth on every day. Right? I don't know if that's me. Is that me? Okay. That's okay. I got a really bad voice. That's all right. It, it bothers me. <laughs> but the Hebrew word for confess actually means to cast out, to praise. It actually means two things, to confess and profess who you're, who you're coming to. But in the Greek, we see it as 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness i want to make sure you get that it says if there's a conditional promise there you have to confess it in order to receive the promise but in the greek it, it, it's defined as as you're professing your guilt you're acknowledging and agree with who god so when you when you confess sin you're acknowledging your heart is not right with god you and God together communicating. And we see that in, in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. It says, In the, the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the ster uh, seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the host and said, Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole, and the whole earth is full of, of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And we see Isaiah here coming before a holy God. And what does he say? And in verse 5 he says, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. He comes before a holy God and realizes, I'm not perfect. I'm sinful. I need God. I'm not supposed to be here. He says, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to him, having in his hands a burning coal, and he, and he had taken it with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this, this has touched your lips. You are, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned. And we see that it's Isaiah who's convicted, but who does he cry out to? I'm not supposed to be here. And, and, and God hears his cry. And, and that should be for us as well. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, what we do is is we you know we need to understand that we're crying out to a to a god that's holy that wants us to to, to repent you know we know that happened in jonah chapter 3 verses 7 through 10 and jonah he goes and he, and he issued a pro proclamation and published through nineveh uh, by the decree of the king and his nobles let neither man nor beast nor or herd nor uh, nor flock taste anything 
Let them not feed or drink water, but let them, uh, the man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. And who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that, they, uh, that we may not perish. And when God saw that they did how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said and he would do to them, and he did not do it. And so we see conviction, it actually draws us to God. What does condemnation do? Condemnation pushes us away from God. And so when, when we have condemnation hit, that's the devil going to work to push you further and further from God. And it's like we, we have to understand it's, it's what happens is when we have that condemnation, that's when we decide, I'm going to skip church. And that's when we decide that, that I, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and not be in the Word today. And what it actually ends up doing is it makes us feel worse. It eventually pushes you away from God and pushes you into the world. That's what condemnation does. And we see in verse 4 it gives a list, and I won't go into all these because we, we went through this last week, but it talks about on the stairs the Levites stood with the leaders of the city. And then we see our verse there, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which, he, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. And one of the things we have to understand is what we see is they, they say, stand up and bless the Lord, and we find out that confession is not about you. It's about getting right with God. That's why they say, blessed is the Lord, Lord forever and ever. And it says in verse 6, you are the Lord, you alone you have made heaven and the heavens of heavens with all their hosts and their earth and all that is on it, uh, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them. The host of, of worship worships you. Now I want you to pay attention to something that we're going to see now because we get into the longest prayer of the Bible now. And we're going to read, just read through the scripture from this point on. And I want you to pay attention to the word you. You. 34 times you're going to see the word you. You alone, you have made, you have preserved them. Heaven worships you. It's not about you. It's about God. That's what we forget. And so as we look at the rest of these verses, in verse 7 it says, You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. God did it. Abraham didn't do anything. He just took the step of faith. You are the Lord God. You chose him. You brought him. You changed his name. That's what God did. See, in our culture today, it's all about us and what we do. Even in the church, we have to be careful with that. We have to be careful with that. It, we have to remember it's what God does. It's God's church. In verse 8 it says, You found his heart faithful before you and made with him the covenant to give to, uh, to his offspring in the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Pez uh, Pezerite, 
the Jebusite and the Geshurgite. I knew I was going to mess that one up. And you kept your promise, for you are righteous. And, and, and again, you see, you found and you made a covenant. You kept the promise. You kept your promise. You are righteous. This is all what God did. This is all God. In verse 9 it says, And you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard the crying at the Red Sea. So we see in verse 9 it says, You cared, you heard. They cried out, and God heard. Verse 10 it says, And, and performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land, for you know that, that they acted arrogantly against uh, our fathers, and, and you made a name for yourselves as it is to this day. You made a name for yourself. I am. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 14, it says, Moses said to God, if, if, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to this people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. In verse 11 it says, And you divided the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on the dry land. And you cast out their pursuers into the, the depths as a stone into mighty waters. By a pillar of cloud you led them in the day, and by a pillar of night in the night, uh, night to light for them in the way that it, which it, uh, they should go. You came down from Mount Sinai and spoke with them and, and from heaven and gave them right rules and true laws and good statutes and commandments. And we see that God's omniscient and, and meaning that he has no past, he, he knows the past, the present, and the future. And, and it's including what we are thinking at, at any given moment. He performed the signs and wonders. God is omni, omnipotent, and, and, and he's, he's also all-powerful. He can do anything that pleases him. But his actions will always be in, court, in accord with his character. And then we see that in, in verse 11, it talks about the mercy. It's his mercy, his deliverance, but it's also his righteousness. Because God is righteous, meaning God cannot and will not pass over wrongdoing. So right now, what we see happening in our nation, you think that it's just going to pass over. It's not. It's not. Somebody will answer for things at some point because God will judge. And we have to understand that. You know, it's easy to get wrapped up and, and upset with the news and just turn that stuff off and, and open up the word. Put on something to watch that's godly, you know? Because Lord knows there's enough stuff out there right now that's, that, that'll just twist you up and get you upset and see people standing up to school boards and being thrown in jail. Not even allowed to be heard. You know, the, the world that we're living in now is, is what we... We stand for is God. 
and and we need to understand that it's it's God that that's not going to allow that wrongdoing to go. So we we can spend more of our time in prayer, praying for this nation. I said it today. We're we're an imperfect nation. We can't fix our past. We can learn from it. Right? We got. God knows we got imperfect leaders. We don't need nobody to show us that. Right? And but we're an imperfect. We're imperfect citizens. Right? We all have our flaws. We all have our, our past. We all have our sin. We all have the sin nature. But that's why when we read these scriptures, it should point us to a holy God who's perfect. This is where our nation needs to be focused is on this. And so what we do when we stand up, you know, sadly, what you are now is, is you would be considered... You go out into a a public place and and share the gospel at a school board or something like that. You're you're the you're the opposition. You're the anomaly. But you need to you need to be able to share share God with people. You need to be able to stand up and say, you know what, this is what God's word says, and it's wrong. You know. But we need to be also in prayer as a nation. Verse 14 says, And you made known to them your holy Sabbath. We're going to talk about the Sabbath on Sunday. Uh, that's our verse for Sunday, actually. And, and we'll talk about that. That's a whole other <laughs> subject. I won't go into all that. But he says, Your holy Sabbath and commanded them, commandments and statutes and a law by Moses your servant. You gave them bread from heaven. For their hunger and brought water for them out of the rock for their thirst. And you told them to go into the and possess the land that you had sworn to give them. And these are all major demonstrations of God's liberation of, of Israel from, the, from, from Egypt. They experienced it. They saw it. They, heard, they knew and saw his leading. And yet they fall. See, this is one of the things about confession is it, we should recognize God's incredible power and promises. In, in Psalm 48, 14, it says that this God, our God, forever and ever, he will guide us forever. You may feel defeated today. You may feel like, man, where are we going? But our God will guide us forever. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 says, Now these, uh, these things have happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instructions. These are for us to learn. We, we're, we're supposed to, to learn and grow from this, and we keep repeating it over and over. And there's this major transition that's going to happen in verse 16 because now we're going to deal with the they. The sin. They. And it says in verse 16, But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you had performed among them, but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. 
and stiffened their neck. They, they became stubborn. They're, they're hard-hearted. Remember we talked about that this weekend. There's either going to be one or two things that happen when you meet Jesus. Your heart's either going to be softened or it's going to be hardened. The way it was with the religious leaders. You're not going to want anything to do with it. They refuse to obey. And these are probably some of the greatest words in Scripture as we see as we turn into verse 17. It says, but you are God. But you are God. Ready to forgive. Gracious. Merciful. Slow to anger. And abounding in steadfast love. And do not forsake them. And saying, God, you are ready to forgive. You are gracious. You are merciful. You are slow to anger. Your steadfast love is abounding. But yet you didn't forsake them. He never gave up on them. And he doesn't give up on you. In James chapter 1, verses 19 through 22, it's one of those verses that we know very well. It says, Now this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. I think we're all being put into practice with that one. Because people are so fired up right now. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away, and this is the thing, put away all filth, uh, filthness, filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. So he's saying, he goes, all these other things you need to put away and implant the word of God in you. Which is able to do what? Save your souls. That's what God's word does. Then it says in verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only de uh, deceiving yourselves. See, we, we're going to see that this weekend when we get to the scripture this weekend is we're going to see Jesus call them out. And he's going to tell them, you hypocrites. You're telling these people to practice the Sabbath and you're not doing it yourself. And that's what's wrong with the country right now is that, that the Christian have ruined the name because of the hypocrites. There have been too many hypocrites. That's why when I meet with people, I tell them, hey, I'm a follower of Christ. Because that Christianity thing or that Christian word, that, that, that irritates people. That sets a fire off on people. It's sad. But I tell them I'm a follower of Christ. But the problem is, is we have too many people that come into church or they come in and they, they listen online. They hear the word of God, but they don't actually do it. You're only deceiving yourself. You're only deceiving yourself. Verse 18 of Nehemiah 9. And when they had made themselves a golden calf and said, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt and had committed great blasphemies. It's sad. You know, Moses goes up to the mountain in Exodus chapter 32, right? Verse 1, it says, when, he, when the people saw that Moses delayed and come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not want, uh, we do not, uh, 
we do not know what he uh, has become of him. So because Moses was delayed in just that little bit of time, they were ready to quit. They're like, we're done. Can't find Moses. Let's start making false gods. And, and I think that's how a lot of people are, is their prayers aren't answered. Let me turn to a false god. Let me turn back to the world to seek the answer. You know, we're, we're, we're so quick to just walk away. It says in verse 2, So Aaron, and, and I always laughed at this because I always thought, man, when Joe goes out of town, the senior pastor, that would be like me saying, hey man, let's go ahead and make a golden calf at the church. And you're like, Aaron, what's wrong with you, bro? You can't believe, like, Aaron, come on, Aaron. You know better. He had the pressure of the people on him. And he caved. He caved. And so what does he do? He says, take off the rings of the gold and that, that they are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of the gold that they were in the ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and, and fa uh, fa fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And, and they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation, said, Tomorrow shall be feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up and play. They went right back to doing the same thing they did in Egypt. Worshiping false gods. They saw God work in ways that others haven't. <laughs> Divide the Red Sea. They walked through it. And yet they fell. That quickly. But I love verse 19. It says, You in great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to them led them. Uh, the way did not depart from them. By day nor, by, uh, nor the pillar for by night to light for them uh, by which way they should go. It was you and your great mercies. You did not forsake them. He was ready to. Moses had to kind of you know, they had a conversation. And, and honestly, what's crazy is I think it was 3,000 people that died that day for worshiping false gods. And then how many come to know Christ on Pentecost? 3,000. It's, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's God that's going to do the work. But it shows you how quickly we are to backslide, to fall. And we need to be careful. That's why it goes back to that verse in, in James. It's like you, it's able to save your soul. Implant the word in you. So you not just hear it, but you do it. In verse 19, uh, you know, as we as we see that, we see his great mercy and 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 he doesn't forsake them, but we go into verse 20, it says. You gave your uh, good spirit to instruct them, and you did not withhold your manna from their mouth and, and gave them water for their, uh, for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness, and they lacked nothing. 
Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. You gave, they lacked nothing. Never failed them. God never failed them. It, you know, I know parents read this and they go, man, how cool would it be not to have to worry about clothes and shoes for the feet, right? Because shoes get expensive nowadays, man. It's like, it's, it's, when I grew up, if you spent, I think the Jordans when I grew up were, what, 100, maybe 150 when they first came out? Now a, a normal pair of shoes is 200 bucks almost. You know, it's crazy. So when I read that verse, I'm like, with my five kids that I had, I'm like, man, that would be awesome. Right? Well, let me, let me get back to what we're at. But what I love about this is you, when you read these verses, you can insert your story in here. You know that? You can see where you might have fallen, you might have fell short, and yet God never left you lacking nothing. Right? That was that testimony that I read from Miss Alma that she sent to us. It's amazing. Throughout the, the, the time of, 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 of that trial that she went through, they never did without. And in and, and, and the moment of, I mean, just like at the last moment God provided. The very last moment God provided. And, and that's all the Lord, and we have to remember that. Verse 22, and it says, And you gave them kingdoms and, and peoples, and allotted them to every corner, so the, the king took possession of the land of Sihon, king of Heshbon, and the, the land of Og, king of Bashan. Uh, you multiplied their children as the stars of heaven. So he's, he's answering the promise that he told Abraham. Uh, you brought them into the land that you had told their fathers to enter and possess. So descendants went in and possessed the land, and you subdued it before the, uh, them and the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them uh, into their hand with their kings and the peoples of the land, and they uh, that they might do with them as they would. And they captured fortified cities and a rich land, and took possession of house full of all goods, good things, cisterns already hewn, vine, uh, vineyards and, and olive orchards and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and became fat and delighted because themselves in your great goodness and so god provided for them and gave them victory in the promised land even over the fortified cities god again was faithful and then we go back to them in verse 26 nevertheless they were disobedient and rebelled against you you cast your your law behind their back and killed your prophets who had warned them in order to do the uh the, to turn them back to you and they committed great blasphemies. Therefore you gave them into the hand of their enemies, who made them suffer. And in the time of their suffering, they cried out to you, and you heard them from, uh, from heaven. And according to your great mercies, you gave them saviors who saved them from their hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, they had evil again before you. You abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that uh, they had dominion over them. Yet when they turned and cried to you, you heard from heaven many times, and you delivered them in accordance unto your mercies. And you warned them in order to turn uh, them back to you, your law. They acted presumptuously, and they did not obey your commandments, but sinned against your, law, uh, your rules. 
which if a person does them, he shall live by them. And they turned a stubborn shoulder and a stiffened their neck and would not obey. Many years you bore with them, and they warned uh, them by your spirit through your prophets. Yet they would not give an ear. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. We see first the disobedience, and they rebelled. Then they cast God's law and tossed it. Don't eat it. That's what we see in Judges. You have the generations that come, and they don't know who God is. Didn't take long. They killed God's prophets. They continued to commit blasphemy. They did evil in His sight over and over. And they became arrogant and stiff-necked and increased the sin of the nation. And yet over and over and over, God rescued them. Now, if you get to this part of the story and you go, I ought to have given up on these people. Right? But we live in the age of grace. And, and, and there are people that, unfortunately, they fall into sin over. And, oh, and I mean just major stuff. And, and matter of fact, we just were praying for somebody who was addicted to meth and jumped out of a three-story three building and broke both their legs. And this is not the first incident. And you're like, what is it going to take? What is it going to take? They know God, but they're not living for God. I remember listening to Aaron, uh, Adrian Rogers share scripture about <laughs> it blew me away. I think I shared this with the men at one point. It blew me away about Ananias and Sapphira. At some point, if you're not going to obey, God's going to take you home. He's done. And that's what Adrian Rogers was talking about. That blew me away. And I was like, man, I didn't even think of it that way. But, you know, I, I, I have somebody that we're praying for that has a prodigal son. And, and is in a place of... He's He's broken. But what has to happen is his heart has to align with God's heart and that conviction that the Holy Spirit's putting on him, he has to repent and turn back to God. And, and that's what this is all about. It's like God will forgive you. And that's what we need to remember. It's like he, he will forgive you. You just have to repent. And it says in verse 31, it says, Nevertheless, in your great mercies, you did not make an end of them, or forsake them, for you are gracious and merciful God. Looking back, you see incredible faith. And God, yet the people keep falling into sin, unfaithful and messed up. In the nation of Israel, you look at it and you go, how? But that's God. God loves them. God has promised them. Just like He's promised you, you your, your sins are forgiven. When you give your life to Christ, your past, your present, your future sins are forgiven. And you belong to Him. And no one will take you out of the hand of God. But this is not how He wants you to live your life. Running from Him. He wants you running to Him. And now we get to their confession in verse 32. This is actually the people of, 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 you know, that are there at the temple. Think about it. 52 days they built the wall. They got back to the Word. They got back to prayer. 
They got back to worship, and now they're in a place of confession. They're in agreement with God that, that they've sinned. It says, verse 32, it says, Now therefore our God, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who keeps the covenant and steadfast love, let not all the hardship seem little to you that has come upon us, upon our kings, our, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all your people since the times of the kings of Assyria until this day. You know what, what you see in that confession? What are they doing? They're worshiping God. Right? You're mighty. You're awesome. You keep your covenant. It's your steadfast love that's been with us during the hardships. And yet, in verse 33, you have been righteous in all that has come upon us, for you have dealt faithfully, and we have acted wickedly. They, they're, they're returning after 70 years of captivity, and, 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 and they're saying, you know what, we, we, we deserve what we got. And yet you, you forgave us. And you know why God forgives you? Because He's righteous. He's holy. It's His grace. It's His love. It's His mercy. It's the same reason He forgave Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, it says, The man said, and this is the thing that we have to do, is because I think it's very important. They said, we have acted wickedly. We live in a nation of blame. We blame everybody for everything. Okay? We do. We blame when you get pulled over by the cops and you start acting a fool. You got to abide. There are rules that you have to abide to. But you forget that. That's the police's fault. We blame the cops. And we see people robbing and looting in the cities and, and people getting stabbed with ice picks and stuff that we thought we'd never see. And they blame society. It's how they were brought up. They blame the parents. They blame the economy. We've all acted wickedly. We all have. We all have. We're all born with sin. And we all do, just like we see in Genesis. The, what did Adam say? The woman you gave, me, gave, uh, you gave to me uh, to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. So Adam blames the wife, the woman. Right? This is, this is typical for anybody that gets caught in sin. Well, it's not my fault. Well, you gave me the phone. I didn't put the pornography on it, did I? No, you did. Right? See, these are the things that, but you gave me, no. Be a hearer and a doer of the word. It's going to do what? Save your soul. And what does the woman do? She blames the serpent. The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Neither one of them took responsibility for it. And see, we need to, one of the biggest things that we have to do when we come to repent is recognize our sin. 
that it's us. It's you, the person in the mirror. You're the sinner. Okay? That's it. We, we've acted wickedly. We've acted wickedly as a nation. Yeah, we have. We're, we're doing abortions. We're not even just doing abortions in our own nation. We're paying for other nations to do it. That's wicked. That's against God. We're celebrating and, and putting up rainbow flags and celebrating pride. It goes against God's word. As a nation, we've acted wickedly. Again, we're, we're pushing the line of what Scripture says. And we're blurring it. And we're making that gray line. And we're trying to see how close can we get to the line before we go over it and we sin. And we passed that a long time ago as a nation. A long time ago. I was talking to one of the pastors. He said the kids don't even know about the Holocaust. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, what are we teaching these kids? They didn't even know about World War II. The greatest generation. This is San Antonio School District. I'm like, what are y'all teaching them then? It's really sad. But we can't blame everybody. We have to take ownership for our stuff. We have a tendency to want to do that. Well, you know, it's this. You, well, you, you know, you did that. And then it brought me to this point. You just blame people. You need to own it. God shows mercy, but man, God wants you to, to, the thing that sin does is actually should be, uh, as we get to a place of confession, sin should actually, we should understand what the cost of it is and what Christ did for it. He, he died on the cross for our sins. You know, and, and one of the things I love is it's like, you're God, and guess what? I'm not. And I'm in a place where I need to ask for forgiveness. Don't rehearse it. Just You don't have to set off a list of stuff. Just, just let God, you know when you're not right with the Lord. Just get right with God. Verse 34 says, Our kings, our princes, our priests, and our fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments or even warnings that you gave them. This is a great prayer for us to pray for our nation. Lord, our fathers have not kept your law. We have not kept your law. We have not paid attention to your commandments. You gave us warnings, and we just blew right by them. And we need forgiveness. Even their own kingdom, and, and amid your great goodness, you, you gave them, and in the large and rich land that you set before them, they did not serve you. Or turn from their wicked works. Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. There, there, there are three things that, that cause people to, to fall into sin. 1 John chapter 2 verse 16, For all the world that is in the world is the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and pride of life. That's sin. It is not from the Father, but it is from the world. 
1 John chapter 2, verse 16. There's three categories. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes. Covetousness. I want that thing. I want that position. Pride of life. I'm the center of the whole world. Right? Everything's about me. And you have people that live, they run their families that way. Like it's all about me and what I need and what I'm going to do. And, and that's all pride. You know, that, that, what that does is sin blinds us and blinds us and eventually it makes life a grind. And we're tired. And we can't get through the day because we're, we're carrying the sin. It's beating us down. And we need to get right with God. Last three verses here. It says, Behold, we are slaves this day in the land that you gave our fathers to enjoy its fruits and good gifts. Behold, we are slaves, and its rich yields goes to the kings whom have set over you because of our sins. They rule over our bodies and over our livestock as they please. We are in great distress. And they're asking, and I love that they... They, they're wanting to sign that covenant, and as in verse 38, because of all of this, we make firm a covenant in writing on sealed document our names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. They're making a confession, but they're also making a covenant. This ain't rehearsed. This is just, hey, you know what? I've sinned, and I'm putting my name on it. Because that's what happens is the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. It hits you. You know when it's not right. Lord, that's God telling you, hey, this ain't what you're doing. You need to confess this. You keep turning that voice off because you will. It'll get lower and lower and you'll go farther and further into sin. I love it because what we see here is God's faithfulness. We see Him continuing to listen to them even in their sin. So it's a reminder of us that, that God is with us always. Always wanting the relationship. You have shown mercy. You know what? That's, that's the prayer. It's like you, you've been faithful, you've listened, you've shown mercy. But Lord, this is my mess and my fault. You don't have to go into every little detail of the sin. Just be, you know what, I let pride put me in this position. I let my anger get the best of me. Verse John chapter 1 verses, uh, verse 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Application for tonight. First one. I want you to go back and read chapter 9. And I want you to highlight or look at all the times you see where it's referring to God, you. You are alone. You have made. You have preserved them. Heaven worships you. You found and made a covenant with them. You keep your promises. You are righteous. You cared and you heard. It should bring us to a place of worship. And that's the question, does it? Right? does it application number two chapter nine is one of the longest prayers recorded in the bible how is your prayer life 
That's between you and God. When I read chapter 9, one of the things that I understand is that I need to work on my worship. I was like, man, you know, the adoration part of our, our prayer, right? The adoration. You are mighty. <laughs> it's, you know, you are holy. But, but prayer should also bring us to a place of confession. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, right? Acts. Romans chapter 12, verse 12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Romans 12, 12. Be constant in prayer. Okay? Application number three, last one. Has this chapter brought you to a place of confession and worship? Jesus says about the religious leaders, Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, the people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And that's why I gave you 1 John chapter 8, verse, uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. It's easy for us to honor the Lord with our lips, but our heart is deep in sin. And that's why it says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we, need to, we need to be in a place, remember that sin, when that confession happens, is us agreeing with a holy God that we're not right and that we need His righteousness, we need His forgiveness. We need His mercy, His grace, His love. And it's right there. We, we just have to ask for it through repentance. Pretty tough chapter when you go through it. You see a nation that, it reminds us me, me of America. We're a nation that, very similar to Israel. We, we get going and then we get our training wheels and we crash. And we try to get going again, and we get our training wheels, and we crash. And I believe we're in a place where we could see a great revival. But it's going to take the people of God to stop. To start living for God and, and stop ruining the name of God. Right? Hypocrites. That's what Jesus is. We're going to go over that this week. Jesus calls them hypocrites. They weren't even practicing what they were saying. That's why for me, when I read these verses, I read this this week, and I was like, you know what? I need to sit down and get right with you, God. It should bring you to a place of confession. It, it just do a heart check. That's it. So we're going to pray. We're going to close out in prayer. And I'll... Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you so much for tonight. We do pray. And as we come before you, Lord, I pray that um, one of the things that, that I pray is that we, we don't honor you with our lips, but our heart is in deep sin. I pray that if we have sin that's going on in our life right now, Lord, that we would confess it. 
See, we come before you, Lord, knowing that you are mighty, you are an awesome God, you're a great God, that you kept your covenant, that you have a steadfast love for us, and yet you want to help us walk away from that sin. And it's so easy for us to blame the way Adam did or the way Eve did. It's our nature to blame other people. But repentance is, is us, the person in the mirror, actually confessing and turning away from that sin and turning back to you. And so I pray, Father God, I know that at the end of the day, there are you know, probably something in each of our hearts that needs, needs work. And I pray that you would help us with that. But Lord, we come together as a church and we pray for our nation. We pray for our leaders, for our, our president, for our, uh, our, our Congress, our Senate, to turn back to you. And we pray that as a nation. We've, we behave wickedly. And we pray for revival, that you would revive each one of us personally. I pray for this city and this county, and, and we just pray for our mayor and, and our, our city council. There was a mess that happened at the last city council meeting. Let that go, Lord. And let us, let us act like people of God. Let us be peacemakers. But let us stand for your truth and your love, your grace, and your mercy. And Lord, we all have a prodigal. We all know somebody that needs you. And we pray that they would walk away from that, that sin, walk away from the world and, and walk to you and repent and ask you to, to be the Lord of their, their heart and their life. I pray, I know that there are some that are sick. I know that we had somebody just ask us for prayer before we got here that uh, they found uh, something uh, that they're gonna have to do more investigation on. It was, it's, it's grown. And so Lord, we're praying that it's not cancer. Uh, I know that uh, Teresa's mom is, is, you know, been dealing with her thing and and uh, we just lift up, you know, we have others in the church that have uh, those that are elderly that, that just need your, your touch, Lord, your healing touch. You are the physician, and we just pray for that. We thank you so much for everyone who's here tonight. We pray, and we thank you for Nehemiah chapter 9, reminding us how great you are, how awesome you are, and, uh, and how much we need you. I pray that that's what we got from this tonight. And we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.